Hello, internet friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Render Time. I'm Richard Lutz, and it is my goal to help demystify the challenges and difficulties that we face as professionals working in the film and entertainment industry, especially within post-production. That's where I'm really focusing and spending my time and energy. Today, we're talking with Scott Woodhouse. Scott was one of my professors at the VCU Brand Center where I studied advertising and art direction. He teaches visual storytelling, and he's also an editor at 1708 Editorial in Richmond, Virginia. Scott is a active Final Cut Pro user, big fan of the program. And in this episode of Render Time, we talk a lot about the future and where it is going for post-production professionals. In the last several weeks, we've seen a monumental shift in the landscape. And for a lot of post-production professionals, we're all trying to figure out what it's going to mean. We're wondering if Avid, Final Cut Pro 10, or Adobe Premiere are going to be our editors of choice. And we're also wondering if we're going to be on a PC-based system or if we're going to remain on a Apple-based uh, system. These decisions are unknown for a lot of people. So it was fantastic to talk with Scott and hear his thoughts and opinions outside of Los Angeles. Take a listen. So I'm, I'm talking with uh, Scott Woodhouse today. Scott is a professor at the VCU Brand Center. He's also an editor and uh, Scott, we've known each other for quite some time now. I mean, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, as Richard said, I'm Scott Woodhouse. I teach at the VCU Brand Center. Uh, I'm also an editor by trade, which is luckily what I teach at the VCU Brand Center. Uh, I've been editing and in production for a lot of years, over 30 years, um, and focused on post-production um, probably about 20 years ago in that. And I still edit uh, mostly uh, commercial work, um, some web marketing, and actually have a couple documentaries in the pipeline, which is kind of exciting. Well, that's, that's new for you. I mean, uh, I would have... Uh... I would have never expected hear, hearing you uh, talk about those things. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a producer, independent producer, a friend of mine is, uh, has got a very good story um, on a gentleman named Judge Robert Marriage here uh, in the East Coast who was a uh, federal judge appointed by Johnson and, and presided over some of the most landmark uh, decisions uh, in the east central part of the country. So uh, we're hoping uh, we've got our first round of funding and now we're hoping that this gets shot and hopefully finished in a year from now. So that'd yeah. be a good thing. But, right. So you've been, so you're actually expanding into uh, documentaries. I would have never expected that. Yeah, yeah, there's something that's uh, come up. I've, I did some uh, work for an uh, independent producer here, uh, and we just, you know, it's the kind of thing when you're an editor and you've got a client and you just hit it off really well and there's not much needs to be spoken. And um, he came back to me and said, look, he's putting together a documentary on a, a federal judge here out of the uh, Richmond district that uh, made some landmark decisions uh, back in the 60s and 70s and 80s and asked if I would cut it for him. And I said, absolutely. So, um We've got our first round of funding, and now we're looking to finish funding, and hopefully in one year we'll be finished uh, production and post. So that's the goal, anyway. How's it feel to be uh, cutting a political doc right now, given the current state of uh, politics in this country? Well, I can tell you that the... Um 
<laughs> some of the issues in the state of affairs uh, back when Judge Marriage was making his rulings. A lot of it was on upholding the Supreme Court uh, desegregation rulings uh, in the South back, uh, you know, the rulings are in the 50s, but they finally came about to the states in the 60s and early 70s. Um, it's funny how some of the stories stay the same all the time. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's a very, very interesting time, that's for sure. Indeed. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about your background, though. Uh, you're teaching filmmaking and editorial at uh, the Brand Center, and how long have you been doing this? Actually, Richard, believe it or not, it will be... I. It, I'm thinking it's nine years this January. Um, I can't believe it because I never, you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be uh, faculty at one of the leading branding and marketing schools in the country. Um, I would I would look at you very quizzically, but it just kind of dropped uh, into my lap. I was recruited by the school to, to come on board and uh, I accepted. And the great thing is, is that they encouraged me to stay active in the industry. Uh, you know, in the industry that I teach. So that is a very uh, nice thing, and it's a great way to work. And why do you find it important that advertising students learn visual storytelling? I mean, that's been my, that's been what I feel like I've done professionally very well to a certain degree, more so than my um, peers, has just been focusing more on the visual storytelling versus the versus the concept. Um, why do you find visual storytelling important to students? Well, you know, I mean, video uh, in all its forms and all its outlets now is is probably the most important method of communication now, uh, whether it is traditional broadcast and film or long-form broadcast or it's uh, purely uh, web-based or now even into social and, and, you know, even shorter versions of things, uh, the ability to communicate an idea or a concept effectively in the video realm um, is very important. Now, what we find, now, Richard, you're a little different because you had a production background and uh, you certainly were far more advanced in production. Uh, than most of your classmates, but uh, when you were here, but um, you know what we found is a lot of uh, younger folks are used to actually um, picking up a camera or maybe their iPhone might be the camera, which is totally fine, uh, shooting something, uh, doing some editing on it, and then doing distribution, whether it's uh, you know to YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. What we still find a shortage of is. is good concepts and then the process of taking a concept to a visual product. And that's what we really hone on. We're not a film school, you know that. You you had probably some of your personal gear was far better than the stuff we were working on. Not but by much. Have- but we have we have enough, and you know, and as you saw in your time here, and I've seen in the eight eight and a half years I've been here, um, you can do really good, effective visual communications. You don't need the best gear in the world, but you do need good concept. Um, You know, equipment can't cover up, equipment or gear can't cover up a poor concept. Um, But a good concept can be effectively created with maybe not the best gear in the world. And that's something that I've always, it's funny because it's like I've always kind of been more on the post end and my outlook on these things has always been and remained that you know, I, given the material, I can make something great, but the concept has to be there. I could care less if it's shot on a Red or an Alexa or an iPhone. If it's strong storytelling, that wins. 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I've, and you've probably been there too. And too many edit sessions where the client comes to me, it could be the production company or the agency, uh, with all this great footage and here's the script and do a scratch video and you put it together and you realize, hey, it's beautiful footage. It's all 5K, 8K, whatever it may be. But the idea is not good. And if the idea is not good, it doesn't matter how good the footage is. You know, so the idea is the thing. And that's what we try to teach here is like, you know, even when we're talking about advertising, you know, we tell them you're not selling the product, you're selling a problem you solve. So figure that out first. And then you've got the basis of a good, a good piece of communications, whether it's visual or print or whatever. Absolutely. And it's funny because it's like there was a project that I recently saw and they put together 15s and the ECD hated them. I mean, and the, the agency's just sitting in the in the in the suite just like okay now what do we just like start cutting right. and it's like the people were like no go back come back with an idea and we'll we'll put it together and we'll find a way to make it work but you guys need to have your concepts and ideas in place before you walk into a suite because if you you can't fix it in post i mean as much as like we it's easier to make stuff now and it's easier on the post end it's still you need to have something in place before you actually start cutting otherwise or doing the vfx otherwise it's a waste of time and money more importantly money at this point yeah absolutely you're exactly right i mean you you can't put lipstick on that pig of a, a bad concept in post and you've been there and i've been there and and quite honestly it's it's an uncomfortable situation as a freelance editor when the when the agency is showing their spot to the client and the client is saying this is not what i paid for it's it's you know, just get the idea down first. You know, too many, too many creatives, especially in the student realm of things here, I see mostly fall in love with a visual execution. And then what they try to do is back a, a concept into it. So they say, wait, I want to do something in black and white, or I want to do something stop motion. Then they try to back a concept into that execution. Uh, the thing that they need to do is start with the concept and then the execution, there'll be multiple executions that will present themselves. Maybe it will be stop motion or black and white, but maybe not, but it's got to start with the concept. Absolutely. And this has been something that not only you beat in my head, but Wayne and uh, Fenske. I mean, this was something that we'd come with ideas and it's like, this is shit. Like this yep. will not work and go back, come back with something a little bit more feasible we don't hate you, we hate the idea. And it's that's a very hard thing to separate. Right, and you know, like you were in your in your great, uh, class, and then we've, we always have, uh, and right now we've got a couple of uh, students very strong in production skills and very strong editorial. In fact, one of them has been accepted to the uh, ACE uh, student competition that I'm gonna be helping him out going forward. He's a very good editor. But, you know, he, for, for instance, he, he kind of likes quick, these quick little snap effects and snap zooms with a little speed ramp on him. He does it all the time. So finally, on his last project he presented to me, I said, look, you, you, this, I know you love this, but it doesn't work with the concept. You know, you're, you're in love with the visual execution. So, you know, I just, and you know this, I just try to pound in the fact that you develop a concept first, multiple executions will come to mind, and then you, you do your best from that point on. At least you're starting from a good point there. Absolutely. Um, so are you guys, when I was there, it was Final Cut Pro 7, then Apple killed that piece of amazing software and it became Final Cut Pro 10. Are you guys still using Final Cut Pro 10 or have you moved to Premiere? I know you're not an avid. That's not going to happen anytime soon. 
No, we are actually, um, you know, I've been editing for, for many, many years and started out, um, you know, even pre-Avid days in nonlinear. I actually started out doing linear editing and then went to EMC and then to Avid um, and some different Avid products and then went to um, Final Cut. And I was a beta tester for Media Composer and also uh, a product called Avid DS, which they have uh, killed over about three years ago. Um, when I came to the brand center, or was the ad center at the time, um, they had Final Cut 7, so when I started teaching, I didn't rock the boat. In 2011, they went across to Final Cut 10, and having been a beta tester, I quickly realized that Final Cut 10 was not ready for prime time. And in fact, I thought it looked more like a, a mid-beta uh, software versus a, um, a professional uh, release. So I held off, and I looked around. And I made a decision about three years ago to go to Final Cut 10, about two years ago, actually, maybe three. And I can tell you that for folks who are going to be visual storytellers, and that doesn't mean they're going to be cutting their own commercials or doing long-form broadcasts, but taking images and making stories out of them, um, I found Final Cut 10 to be so much better for that. Uh, the up, the uptake by the students, uh, I, I literally had them editing within 60 minutes. Now, mm -hmm. basic, of course. Um, you know, I've watched Final Cut 10 get better and better. I actually moved all of my um, professional work for my company, 1708 Editorial. I moved that over to Final Cut 10 about two years ago, and I haven't looked back. Um now, we do have, and we will upgrade, the latest upgrade just was released a couple of weeks ago, and we will go that route probably next fall because I've got a, it's such a major upgrade. Uh, I've got to be sure I know it well enough to teach it so I can answer every question. Yeah. That being said, you know, we do offer the Creative Cloud package on all our computers uh, in the video lab and then uh, on the computers in our graphics lab. Um, and it is very powerful. And, you know, without a doubt, uh, I give my students the option, but most students don't come, come here without any skills. And, and Final Cut 10 is just very powerful and easy, easier, easier to learn. Uh, I was just out at Adobe Max um, this past week in San Diego, and um, Adobe invited me and one other gentleman from the university to see if we could do a site license for VCU, much as we just got done with lynda.com uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, you know, it, it is very powerful and very, uh, I mean, the software premiere has gotten better. Uh, you know, there's still some major flaws in it that drive me nuts, but there are major flaws in every software. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the site license type thing where every student, every faculty, every staff could download the cloud to their computer as long as they're at the school makes it very tempting to make that switch. I could now, imagine. It, it took me three years to walk my request for a lynda.com site license through the university and academic bureaucracy before it became a reality. This, the Adobe Creative Cloud license is multiple times more expensive. Um, and I got a feeling it's going to be quite a while. And I sat down with product managers and Adobe sales and in a private whisper suite meeting with with a, my colleague from VCU. And they asked me why I was teaching Final Cut. And I told them, frankly, I thought it was a better program for what I do. You know, mm -hmm. and again, I'm doing 
short form, you know, we'll do in, uh, you know, be a 90 minute doc next year, but um, I'm just faster and better. And then I said, quite honestly, the students pick it up so fast. And, and Adobe was cool about it. The, the product manager, the premier product manager said to me, she goes, he said, well, I'm going to try to change your mind. And I said, more power to you. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I can I cut on Premiere uh, when I have to. My editing system of choice is is Final Cut. Avid doesn't, you know. Not in, I know in your part of the country, Avid's still a player. Back here, non-broadcast, I can't even find a four uh, Avid four wall uh, suite to to rent out, even if I wanted to do a, a job for a client for on Avid. And I, I probably have forgotten pretty much all the chops. I'm sure they would come back, but uh, I think I stopped using Avid at version 7.03 yeah i uh it's interesting right now because it's like i've been talking with post houses um when i was at the mill they only had two editors they had a a lead and assist they were on premiere another Mm -hmm. post house is using avid and another post house is using premiere i've not seen one post house use Final Cut Pro 10 and to your point there's advantages and disadvantages to, to every piece of software and it's like i'm being put in a position where I just can't know Adobe Premiere anymore. I have to know Avid in order to be um, competent and work into those roles of being a, either a post PA. I know that's the first step, but in order just to be an assistant and then work towards the edit chair, I have to know both systems. And it's going to be um, really, really interesting to see what happens with Final Cut Pro 10 and seeing if they can bring it back into the professional realm i know they brought tracks or as they're calling them i think they're calling them lanes back yeah rolls and lanes yeah um yeah i mean i i certainly see um uh your need for what you need to do there i mean in in the california uh, market uh, and in any kind of major long-form broadcast or broadcast i think you're right avid and premiere are the two to know right now um the latest 10.3 upgrade for Apple it was a major upgrade. It is the kind of upgrade, quite frankly, that Avid can't do. And maybe even Premiere, because it has made has done so many changes uh, for the better. Uh, you know, customizable workspaces, which, you know, I mean, if you're an Avid editor or a Premiere editor, you're like, big deal. But, you know, these are really cool. The the media management in an organization in Final Cut is superior to any NLE I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the change in Final Cut is, it was so dramatic. Um, like I said, I don't think Avid could do that kind of major change to the interface and, you know, where they have the tools work and terminology and keep their client base happy. Yeah, and I, I think the same thing with with um, with Premiere. I've been yelling at Premiere for years now. Please, re- you know, give us a title tool that at least was invented in the early two thousands. Um, you know, because the title tool for Premiere is is very much like the title tool for Avid. It's it's pretty ancient. Oh, and, you yeah. know, it hasn't changed. Hasn't changed, and it's just a clunky way to work. Um, well, but, that's what Photoshop's know, for, really. I mean, Photoshop. I mean, with the dynamic link server as they're calling it is incredible like i was messing around in photoshop and it quickly integrated i mean that's the only advantage that premiere has right now is their dynamic links between premiere after effects illustrator i almost said indesign uh but those products are their only saving grace right now in some cases 
Yeah, you know, and, and, and I've, I've downloaded the latest because I was at Max and I got a sneak preview of a lot of technology, and some of it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, and I've downloaded the Premiere to the 2017 cloud uh, package, and I opened up Premiere, and as kind of a warning, one thing I did notice that my links to my After Effects comps were broken. They just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've got to open up After Effects and, and, and have them all be upgraded to the 2017. Uh, yeah, the dynamic linking in in, in Final Cut, I mean, in, in Premiere is very strong. What I don't understand from Apple's point of view, and, and again, we have to remember that Apple's a, Apple's basically a phone company now. They're not at an app company. They're not a computer company. They're not a software editing editing software company. Avid, I mean, Apple has uh, Motion and Compressor um, and Logic, and they've got their they're good products. And quite honestly. Um, Motion can probably do what 75% of us editors need to do in After Effects. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that the dynamic linking. There is no send to motion anymore, which is a feature we actually lost when going from Final Cut 7 to Final Cut 10. Now there is a app or a plugin now that allow you to do it, and I've, I've worked on it, and it's great. But why Apple hasn't really pushed that um, package like... Premiere has it makes it makes a lot of editors wonder are they really given given a damn about the professional or not? Um, you know, because I I know After Effects enough. In fact, when I got my master's in instructional technology a year or so ago, my thesis project was on After Effects. Hmm. So I know it well. And I'm not an artist. I'm never going to draw a pretty picture. I'll tell a good story, but I'll never draw anything you know, better than stick figures. Yeah. But I love I love what it does and I love the fact that I could right click, I could from my premiere timeline open up After Effects, put a lens flare in, re you know, do put you know, track something here, roto something here, and go back and then it that's incredible. And why Apple has not taken the time, you know, they, they took a long time to do this this upgrade and it is major and that's why it took a long time and it is a great upgrade and it is very professional. Um, but why they still have these two other apps just hanging out there is, is just separate. I, I don't understand. Yeah, and for the professional market, um, motion and compressor, unfortunately, at least out here, are irrelevant. Um, and they are, and they're they're quite honestly they're irrelevant in every market. Uh, you know, I think actually the European um, editor base has taken on um, Final Cut Ten uh, much faster than hmm. than the states. Although uh, a colleague of mine in New York who is does a lot of editing for Network Sports, um, and he you know he's pretty well entrenched. They said they fly to the Super Bowl, the Final Four, the Masters, that kind of thing. He now told me that. Um, uh, the, the CBS trucks that, that do a lot of the, the graphic rollings and everything like that include all the A's, Apple, Adobe, uh, and Avid. Um, you know, because the, the Apple stuff with some of its presets and, you know, uh, it, can, it can do promos really quickly. And I was very surprised to hear that, um, you know, that, that App Final Cut 10 was actually on network uh, remote trucks. Um, so that that surprised me. Now this guy, my friend here, is a an avid editor, and he, that's all he knows. But um, I, I asked him straight up because we got all we have all three. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And my roommate, who works at Riot Games, which is huge in esports, they are the maker of League of Legends. He's he's done the European Championship. He's done the World Championships, and he was cutting um, replays with Final Cut Pro 10. I mean, he he's told me he prefers Avid um, and uh, 
but it's interesting to hear about places. They're sprinkled here and there, but in, it's interesting to hear about their post-technology and how they're running systems of this nature because it's they're not just individual edit suites. It's being connected to a larger machine and the Reddit or the render farms that are needed to make this work come to life and being able to collaborate across multiple systems. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I mean, the the, the great thing about working, you know, again with it's kind of like the Premiere and After Effects. I don't think Avid has anything like it. I know Avid Effects doesn't. You know, there are some people who use Avid FX, but it, it doesn't. If it's still around, I don't even know. But um, you know, the nice thing with with Final Cut is that all of the effects are done in motion. Hmm. Every effect and every preset is done in motion. So if you want to change the parameters on on any effect um, that you have available to you in Final Cut, you right click and it automatically opens a copy in motion. Uh, you make all the changes you want. You publish that effect back to Final Cut and it's there for your use all the time. Mm-hmm. That's a strong strong piece, but it's still not that dynamic linking like. Uh, Premiere has, you know, the Adobe products. Mm-hmm. What was your ultimate, uh, what were, what was your impression of what you saw at Adobe Max? I mean, I, I watched a little bit of it and it seems like they were pushing really hard on not necessarily long form of storytelling. Um, I think it's still going to have a place in the commercial world, but it seems like they're pushing more and more towards delivery on social channels, which makes sense. I mean, that's where the marketplace is right now. I think you're, you're exactly right, and that's the exact impression I had w- sitting there and watching the opening keynotes and also watching some of the sneak peek um, uh, uh, programs there. Um, you know, I felt this year was more of a take-a-breath year for Premiere. And again, with you know being a subscription, you're going to get regular updates because that's kind of what you want, you know, if you're going to be paying whatever it is a month. Um, and you're exactly right. I think in the years past, and they still opened up with, you know, their forays into the long form, into Hollywood, and that's a direct shot at Abbott's bow. You know, I mean, there there were, you know, and, and how many, what the percentage of the movies that were at Sundance were cut on Premiere now versus Abbott. And, I think it was you know, 75%. So they, I could be yeah, wrong. They, I think I am. I think you're exactly right. I, did, I think that's what I remember hearing. So those things were directly at, um, uh, you know, at um, Avid's, you know, wheelhouse. And quite honestly, if I'm Avid and I, I am worried about Premiere, if I'm Avid Technologies, I'm worried about Premiere. Um, as far as the, you know, the other stuff, I thought they kind of backfilled into the social area, the the social uh, distribution tab or panel that they introduced that I think will be in beta starting at the end of December um, is very interesting, you know, uh, but again, it's, it's, it wasn't groundbreaking to me because, uh, you know, I know, I can compare from Final Cut and, and in Motion. is like, you know, you can set up as many presets as you want in Compressor, export them, and they're available to you all the time yeah. in the share menu in Apple. Yeah. I, Premiere has, you know, they're starting with presets for, I think, Vimeo, YouTube, Twitter, and Behance. Um, and, you know, you set those up. Set those up. But the interesting thing about it was, and this is where the the interaction between Adobe uh, softwares is is very interesting, is that as you post more and more to different uh, social sites and and things, the the system machine learning was a big term out there this year. The system will basically start to feed back data to you 
uh, about who's clicking when, where you're getting the most activity. So basically, it's taking some of its marketing cloud attributes, which basically gives you those analytics in a way, if you want to look at it that way, yeah. and bolting it onto the onto the export, uh, you know, export module of Premiere, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty slick. Now, for you and I, as editors who work for a lot of clients, I sure as hell hope the final product has a way to direct where that data goes because I don't want that coming to my editing platform. Yeah, you know, because I, I may have to, you know, just yesterday I had a client who, you know, I did some uh, work for a um, uh, health organization out of South Florida, and they said, hey, we need to take the brand spot, I need to pull the URL off, I need to put a new number, it's for a web web ad only, can you upload it for me? I said, fine. So I was thinking about that, I did that last night, I was thinking about that, I said, man, you know, if I'm an, if I have this social tab, I hope there's a way, I'm sure there will be, that I can either turn off data, feedback, or route it to whoever it needs to go, because I don't want that coming to my my personal editing system in my studio. Not only that, I think like with that sort of information, it's it it could be a very precarious situation because it puts the client in an interesting position to say like, look, look, I told you so, and use the data in a way to force the creative hand because at that point we're no longer collaborators we are just as Wayne would say we are the client's hands at that point and that's that's something I did not get into this business for is just to be somebody else's hands right exactly exactly so and then the other thing you know I mean the one thing I was you know uh, um the Adobe Spark product, uh, Spark Page, Spark Post, and Spark Video, which is basically a you know rudimentary online video editor, absolutely aimed at social and and, and digital uh, media, you know, and um, so those were big, uh, you know, and uh, you know After Effects, you know, having the the um, Cinema 4D render engine native now in After Effects, so you don't have to really pop out of uh, into, into CS4 or Cinema 4D Lite. Um, was a, again really nice. You know, my 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 big concern is the amount of things for me or, or Adobe is doing with the Creative Cloud package. When at the end of the presentation, when the moderators stood on the stage and they had this beautiful you know screen set up with multi images and multi screens, and they showed all the products, it was dizzying. And I told the product managers uh, when we had our Whisper Suite uh, meetings, I said, you know, is there a way I can pick my favorite five? Because out of the twenty that were up there that I get for my sixty bucks a month, I use five. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, and he he nodded his head and he said, "Well, we have heard a lot about a la carte." <laughs> I said, "I bet you have." Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like, I mean, being a former art director, it's like, yeah, there's those certain programs I'm using. I'm using Photoshop. I'm using Illustrator. I'm using After Effects, InDesign, Premiere, and Audition. I'm using like five or six programs. I'm not using. I have never. I've opened Dreamweaver just to mess around. That is about it. And it's there's a bunch of other programs that fall into that same category of like this is not being used for for my either my personal projects or my professional ones. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And it's funny, Dreamweaver is still there. I mean, when I first started at the Brand Center or the Ed Center, I used to teach Dreamweaver basics uh, for students to do their portfolio sites. That was part of my class. And, you know, there certainly, obviously, is 
a place for really customized and highly designed uh, websites, but you know, all of my students now, no one, no one drops an HTML or, or anything in, or Dreamweaver. It's Wix, it's Squarespace, it's, you know, whatever else. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was running uh, WordPress in school and right. uh, I switched to Squarespace probably a year and a half ago and it's been fantastic. I've, I absolutely love it. It's super easy. I mean, rather than trying to dive into different, like, pieces of code just to remove an HTML tag. I'm just, I, I don't have time for that. Right, exactly. Exactly. So what is your impressions of, like, where things are headed? I mean, not just from the software side, because it seems like the jury is still out on whether it's going to be Avid, if it's going to be Final Cut, or if it's going to be Premiere. I mean, the jury's out there, but what about hardware? Because it seems like Apple is being challenged by Microsoft. It seems like some studios are even talking about switching from uh, a Mac-based system to Windows. I know The Mill um, is thinking about it, and I know other studios throughout the business are looking at Apple and wondering what are they doing in terms of the professional market right now. No, I agree. Um, you know, the the MacBook Pro and, you know, obviously working on Final Cut and was my primary editor – I'm an Apple guy. Now I've got a three-year-old MacBook Pro and a two-and-a-half-year-old Mac Pro sitting on my desk here. Both I've uh, got you know, Pegasus RAID arrays hanging off of them on both both systems. And, you know, I use my MacBook Pro like a desktop. I have a hinge talking system uh, that works really well, allows me to get rid of the computer and, and, and pump into a nice big, you know, uh, 4K monitor or HD monitor, depending where I'm at. But I was I was underwhelmed a little bit about by um, the Mac the new MacBook Pro. Um, I'm not sure that Touch Bar technology um, is what I want. Uh, it seems like something else to go to break, and I don't see a use for it right now in my editing because basically that little Touch Bar becomes a mini timeline on your laptop, basically mm-hmm. uh, when you're using Final Cut. Um, I did happen to get a chance to look and touch, and not a lot, but look at the Microsoft Surface Studio Pro, I think it's called, that just was released. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beautiful piece of piece of hardware. I mean, you know, it's like, my God, you know, I thought, you know, I'm sitting here putzing around on my uh, iPad Pro, the 12-inch, and this thing comes out, and it, it was actually, you know, for the, the, it's beautiful. I wouldn't buy the first version of it, but boy, I tell you what, it is something to look at. And I've heard a lot of um, people kind of reflecting or, you know, not repeating, but talking about what you just said is that a lot of folks, because they are an avid and premier and because they're looking long term in the professional ranks, are considering move, making the move to Windows. Yeah. Um, I, I, you, you know, um, to me, Apple, here's the thing about Apple and, and Final Cut 10 when it came out. It was so different. It wasn't ready by any means, but it was so different. It, it told me, it, had, it said, these guys don't care about the current editor crop. They don't care about me, who's, you know, as old as I am, and the rest of us who are slogging away on, you know, Avid and Premiere and Final Cut 7. They're looking over the horizon, and so they can have a closed system. You know, I'm, I'm not sure... Apple really cares about, you know, if the mill uses their product or not. Um, I, I really don't. I, I don't know, you know, so that's a little 
just concerning. But, you know, I always start with, they're like, well, what if Apple kills Final Cut? And I just look at people and say, well, I'll use Premiere then. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, a story, I'm a storyteller, and the, the, the system is just a tool. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in that same boat right now is because it's like, I, I mean, I saw the Apple announcement, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to to get it fully max, I'm going to have to spend $4,300, and in that same t- amount of money spent, I can get a really good 4K, even maybe 5K monitor, and a really, really good tower setup. Um, and it's, it's just hard for me to come to terms with the fact that I might... Um, I mean, Apple just gave me a brand new computer because I, I went through three logic boards in about a three-year period. Um mm-hmm which was, I never thought I'd be able to do that. Um, um, I went through three logic boards in a three-year period. I also had my headphone jack repaired. I had a battery replaced. And uh, yeah, Apple basically said, hey, here's a new 2015 MacBook Pro, and I hope it lasts some time because I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Apple because with the whole Final Cut debacle, it was really almost like a changing of the guard in the sense that I can be on Windows, I can be on Mac, or I can be on, oh, say, Linux if I really Linux. wanted to go that direction. But, you know, it's I just have a hard time thinking Apple is really representing the best interests of creative professionals, even in the design and concept iteration space. I mean, I think the Microsoft Studio is a lot closer um, for creative types than the new MacBook Pro. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely say now, um, I would like to see the the physical ins and outs of actually editing something on, on this, the Surface Studio Pro. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, is, it is certainly a very intriguing piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure if the Surface Studio is the product that best represents, especially the post-production community, especially with the lack of ports, the lack of ability to upgrade pieces right. of it. I'm, I could be wrong on these things. I haven't looked as much as I should up on that piece of product. But with that said, I am very, very intrigued into the direction in which... Um, Microsoft is heading and if you said this that if you said three or four years ago you're going to be impressed by the things that Microsoft is going to be doing for the creative market and the creative professionals I would have laughed yeah exactly I agree I agree 100 percent I agree yeah it's 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 an interesting time you know the thing is the best thing to do is you, you got to keep editing what you, with what you got to make a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you absolutely have to keep an eye on what's going on out there. That's why I like, you know, uh, conferences like Adobe Max. Uh, NAB is another one I like to get back to. Um, you know, uh, those are the places where you can really start looking from a 10,000-foot level and get a feel for where the momentum is. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know if I'll get to NAB this year, but um, it's, a, it's one of those shows that every other year or so there are some major hints of where the uh, market is going yeah i mean i i'm wondering these things too because it's like i'm i'm in a position where i know premiere but avid is probably the next system i really need to focus on 
I agree. Um, I'm not sure if uh, I mean, and I. What's interesting is I've started playing with Abbott. I've a version that was. Uh, I have a version that I've been playing with, and what it's been frustrating because I know how to cut. I know Premiere right. very well, and I'm. I don't know Avid, but what I've been finding as I've been playing with it is like, wow, Avid is really fast. It's, it's really what? It's really, really fast. Yeah. It's it's incredible how fast I can do things in an Avid-based work system as opposed to Premiere. I mean, I'm sure there's ways I could move things on my keyboard to make me more productive in Premiere, but some of the things I saw in Avid, I was just like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because that's what I feel when I look at uh, both um, Premiere and, and Apple. Is like, yeah, I, I know I know Premiere well enough that I can cut and hack my way through it. I'm not going to do critical color correction or anything like that. But when I get on Final Cut 10, it is lightning speed fast. I mean, way faster, and I know it a little better, but way faster than Premiere. And that's the thing I used to love about Avid is how quick I could cut something together and just to start in the rough, you know. Um, with with Final Cut 10, I can be, you know, I can get something on the timeline and then really start making them, them, the storytelling magic happen so much faster than I could with the other products. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I love about it is that, you know, it, it's so quick. Now, would I do a multi-editor, multi-version, long-form uh, broadcast spec production in Final Cut 10? Not right now. No way in hell. Avid, especially, has so many tools for that, and has made you know that's their niche. Their niche is is that broadcast bit. Um, you know, I don't see Avid doing like a, a, a social panel export thing like Premiere uh, showed at uh, Max this year. It's just out of their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I think what they're trying to do is really consolidate around that Hollywood uh, large market um, multi-editor shared storage uh, arena and hold on to that. You know, because quite honestly, if you look at Avid now, they're not a software company anymore. They're a storage company. They're mm-hmm. a server company. Yeah. Um, yeah, their hardware you know, is pretty their good. Their hardware. And, and they, they, they understand they, the company wasn't going to hold together if they were just going to sell, you know, uh, Media Composer uh, subscriptions. Um, oh, one other thing that I thought was very interesting while I'm thinking about it at, at Max was the Adobe Stock. Um, and how Adobe stock is, and you know, and they just signed an agreement with Reuters to get a ridiculous amount of their still and moving image uh, stock software. Wow, I didn't there. Hear that one. That's impressive. Yeah, and that is really a neat idea, uh, and the the search functionality uh, that Adobe has put into stock is just really amazing. Uh, really, and they they showed some sneak peek stuff uh, for future technologies, which I really I'm impressed. Adobe doing this, and this this ability to search so quickly, and the machine learning that'll allow it to go through millions of pictures and pull out. You wanted a man and a dog with a dog on the right side of the man, and the man, you know, holding a leash. It will find that for you. It was stunning. That, it was absolutely that's stunning. crazy. And yeah, it, it was absolutely stunning. It's something that I've been seeing um, Adobe push more and more, and it's working in advertising i've come to hate stock photos with a passion Uh because in many ways you they're just so generic and you 
and I remember I was working on this project, I think it was Deluxe when I was at Fallon. And I had to do so much work in Photoshop to make it something interesting and unique that uh, it's, I mean, stock photos are the bane of every art director. They're the worst. Yep. So I guess my question that I'm really interested in is like, given the hardware situation and the software situation, in many ways, these are, well, they are just tools for us, the creative professionals. What does this mean? Like where... What does this mean, and where do you think things are headed, and uh, how is it going to affect working with clients? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. I've been, uh, you know, I've been a Mac uh, on editing. I've got everything. I've got an Apple Watch in my, you know, uh, my arm. My wife got that for me for my birthday. I didn't really want one, but she got me one. So I pretty much got the whole Apple orchard, if you will, um, of all their their toys, and. Um, you know, so I am pretty locked in. You know, my the system I have right now handles 4K really well, and and the proxy um, workflow in Final Cut is very easy, very very seamless. Um, unless there's a gigantic change out there in the horizon, I'm not aware of. I'm just gonna, I am gonna continue moving along. I will upgrade my professional. Um, uh, system, my editing system to Final Cut 10.3 soon. Um, I've already upgraded to uh, Creative Cloud 2017. Um, it's it's a little buggy, um, you know, and luckily I don't have to use it. Um, uh, and I'll wait till some other updates come out to con- to fix some of the bugs, you know, memory leaks and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, it it's going to be very very interesting. You know, I'm at a point in my career. It's like okay. Do I want to make rebuild the studio from the ground up on on a Windows uh, platform and ditch Final Cut for right now, or you know, can I be assured that uh, if I you know create invest in a Apple based studio, is Final Cut going to be around for a long time? Will Premiere keep building over the long uh, long term? Their software is for you know uh, Mac. Mac Pros and MacBook Pros, or even iMacs, which I kind of more am more intrigued about versus the the other two products. So it, you know, it's just the kind of I'm just I'm just trying to stay at ten thousand feet when I you know think about where where I'm going to be going in the future. Um, and but I've got to you know got to do the day to day. So what I've got, I, I I run pretty hard. Yeah, and I completely understand that. I mean, it's it's a conversation that uh, is uh, being felt all over town. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going to this thing put on by Adobe and GoPro tonight, and it will be interesting to seeing, to be hearing and talking with people about their thoughts on these very issues, because I don't think we're going to solve it here. I think it's going to be probably NAB of either this year or next year, and if not then, uh, the following year, before we really have a uh, solid idea of where things are headed, and uh, only time will tell. Yeah, actually, uh, you should check out too at uh, the, the LA. It used to be called the Final Cut Users Group. The but it was something else. Pro User Group. Yeah, now it's uh, they. Apple is actually going out there, and they are doing a. Apple is sending their people doing a presentation on Final Cut. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they don't do that very often. So with this release and them starting to get active, uh, and they really listen to the users with this release. Some of the things that we, as the user base really wanted we got 
mm-hmm. you know, it's like, wow, this is cool, you know, and, and we did, some people want to go back to tracks. I quite honestly like the magnetic timeline, but I think the role-based, um, role-based media that can be put into lanes and automatically organized by what, you know, by its role that you, again, this is that, that data management that I believe Final Cut has head over heels over anybody else right now. Um, you know, it is very, very strong. So you, you may want to take a look at that yeah. too, just to, just to see what's happening out there in the real world. I'm not sure the date, I don't think it's passed by yet, but I saw it on the, um, an avid avid website or um the avid l and i saw it on a final cut one as well yeah yeah i saw the very thing that's happening i i think it's at the end of the month um i'm not sure of the date i want to say it's the 30th but for i don't think that's right i will definitely look it up and mention yeah i would like to get love to see you get your opinion on that yeah i mean i think it's going to be very interesting i mean uh I'm going to be remaining on Premiere for a while since it's just oh, yeah. my, I mean, it's everything just integrates so well for me. Um, and I, I just don't know how Hollywood is going to react to it. I think it's going to take two to three years before it even really picks up steam like Premiere has. Um, and that's taken Premiere four years. Um, I think Avid is still very much entrenched with its, with uh, the post production community down here, especially the um, the senior editors who have been running oh, yeah. the show for the last ten years, I think they're gonna remain on Avid. I think Premiere's gaining mom- a lot of momentum. I know Exile, which is Kirk Baxter's shop um, in Santa Monica. Kirk Baxter's done, done Gone Girl. He's done uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. They're editing on Premiere. Um, they're mostly a premier house from what I understand. We'll see if more and more shops go in that direction, but it seems like, um, premier is gaining a lot of momentum and editors are losing money because they're cutting on Avid right now, which is interesting to me. No, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, uh, if I was in your market, I would certainly know Premiere would be in my toolkit as well as Avid. Now, in my market back in the East, Premiere's got to be in my in my tool belt. Uh, and then it's if you want to learn Final Cut or, you know, that's a good one to have. Like I said, Avid doesn't have much of a presence anymore. Um, and it doesn't really speak to the kind of work I do, the short form. Yeah, no, I've cut plenty of commercials on Avid. Uh, over the years, but um, you know, uh, right now, it would, it would make no sense for me to, and you know, because I'm I'm a beta tester for Avid. You know, I've been privy to get the latest releases from friends of mine who still work for the company. And it's great. It's it's a hell of a software, but it has so much. Uh, features and things that I don't need. You know, it would be like, you know, if it was a Premiere uh, interface, I'd be pulling stuff off the panels as fast as I could yeah. and getting down to my base needs. And right now, Final Cut um, fits all those bills, all the base needs, uh, and then some, and the new version even more. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just um, it's an interesting, interesting time, that's for sure. So what, what thoughts and suggestions would you offer the creative pros out there? I mean, where is, and maybe even your students who decide to go the direction in which I'm headed, which is not the traditional go to an agency, work as an art director, and maybe at some point you might be able to do some editorial or you might be able to do some visual storytelling-based content. What suggestions would you have for your students, A, and then B, the creative pros out there? 
Well, for the students, you know, you know, again, and you know this because you went through, and you're a little more advanced on the production side of things. And for the students, it's much more. Um, Learn how to tell a good story. Learn how to craft a good story. Whether you cut it on Final Cut, whether you cut it on Premiere, whether you cut it on iMovie, uh, whether you cut it on Premiere Clip, whatever you want to do, just learn how to tell the story. Quite honestly, you know, Richard, you kind of know this. If you look at most commercials, um, you know, now there are some with, with plenty of effects and a lot of other things going on, but most of them are like seven or eight cuts and a fade up and a fade down on the card at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know, and and quite honestly, I could rough cut most of that stuff on iMovie. You know, I don't even need I don't even need for a lot of the the cuts only and the boards that I get and everything like that. It's like, yeah, I can do this on iMovie. It's not about you know the tool is is secondary to the talent, and that's what I try to tell my students is that the storytelling talent. You know, for the creative pro, I mean, you got to make a living. You know, so if I'm in, uh, a professional editor in your market, um, I'm not going to bother with Final Cut much. I'm going to know Premiere and I'm going to know Media Composer. Um, you know, and I will know After Effects and Photoshop too. Uh, that's that's almost a given. Um, so I mean, they're two different things. You know, the students are still learning how to concept and, and take a concept and develop a good visual story out of it. The the creative pro, the editor, if it's a young editor coming up and they ask me what what should I do, I said, well, you're already made to step into the editorial ranks. You know, if you if you're going to work in broadcast in Hollywood or long form or you know these are the tools you have to have in your toolbox be really good at them you know because mm-hmm. if you're if you're a natural storyteller the, you sh- the tools are just learned things it's, it's fine yeah absolutely well Scott I appreciate the time um, so yeah Scott Woodhouse well that's it that's my conversation with Scott Woodhouse of the VCU Brand Center if you have thoughts and opinions of this episode, I would love to hear about them. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Richard underscore Lutz. You can also find me on Facebook at Richard Lutz Content and Creative. And finally, if render time is something that brings you value, please rate the show on iTunes. I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions of the show and how much you enjoy it. And until next time, create, share, and sustain the lifestyle that you want. Get out there and make some awesome work, guys. Thanks.